So we cut to Cassie, um, who is with Tobias, and they are watching a uh, column of tanks and jeeps driving towards the beach. Um, in one of the jeeps is the Time Matrix and also Visser 4. Um, and uh, Cassie theorizes that this... What Visser 4 was here to do was to reach the German tanks and tell their generals that this is the real invasion and that they need to stop the allies at the beach. Um, and so Tobias and Cassie are watching this go and she's like, we need everyone here. And Tobias is like, well, I don't know that they're all going to reach us in time, so we need to do something. Um, and, uh, they're debating what they should do, and eventually they're just like, look, uh, I guess we need to um, land, morph something with a little bit of firepower at least. Uh, so they land down a little ahead of where the, the line starts, um, and Tobias morphs Hork-Bajir, and Cassie morphs Wolf, um, and... Uh, she has a moment where uh, she's thinking about how, uh, you know, maybe Axe is right and only Jake could be killed. Uh, and Tobias is like, are you thinking about how Rachel came back? Yeah, me too. Doesn't exactly make it easier, does it? No. Um, <laughs> I could hear the clank, clank, clank of tank treads. I could hear the roar of the engines. The Germans, the Nazis, the ultimate evil, worth dying to stop them. Yes, worth my one puny life. But I didn't want to die, no matter how great the cause, no matter the reason. Uh, and so they attack. Um, and in the process, Tobias is shot in the chest. Um, and Cassie hits Visser 4 and closes her jaws around one of his arms. Um, they tumble out of the jeep, and only then do they see the handcuffs that hold the viscer down. Cut back to Axe. Um, Axe has regrouped with Marco and Rachel. They are heading towards where Tobias and Cassie are, but it's going to take them a hot minute to get there. Um, and... Uh, Marco and Rachel are kind of like... This is such a fucked situation. Um, and Axe asks Marco, I take it, Marco, that you're familiar with this war. This is the big one of all big ones, Marco said. World War II. The Nazis try and take over the world and almost do it. The Japanese attack Pearl Harbor. D-Day, Battle of the Bulge, John Wayne at Iwo Jima. And the Holocaust, Rachel said. Holocaust? The Germans, the Nazis under Hitler, murdered six million Jews, men, women, and children. Obviously, Rachel had misspoken. These Jews were an opposing army? No. Jews are a religion, or a race, I guess. My dad's Jewish. Most, uh, mostly the Jews in the Holocaust were Germans and Poles. You know, civilians. Normal people. Others, too. Uh, Romani, gays, handicapped people. They were taken to camps and shot or starved or killed with poison gas. Children killed in their mother's arms. She spoke with no special emphasis, no anger. 
Human emotion is often confusing, in part because each individual human expresses it differently. Rachel is quick to anger over small things. The larger things render her cold and seemingly emotionless. But then what emotion could possibly su sufficiently... What emotion could possibly be sufficiently intense to encompass the crime she described? Humans. I wondered, not for the first time, but now with renewed intensity, whether the Yerks had any notion of the species they proposed to conquer. Humans seemed to exist across too broad a spectrum to even be considered a single species. The same species that spawned my friends, Jake, Cassie, Marco, Rachel, my Shorm, and nephew, Tobias, seemed to revel in mutual slaughter and sank to depths no Yerk would sink to. Depths of depraved brutality that would be unimaginable to an Andalite. That human warrior would stand against human warrior and kill. That was wrong and foolish and stupid. But that humans, the species I was risking my own life to help, were capable of such a filthy, cowardly thing as the deliberate slaughter of innocence. Uh, and then we get this line that undercuts what he's been saying. Not at all like the things I had done in combat. Not at all like fighting hork controllers or taxons or or Hessian officers. I jerked my thoughts away from that memory, from the memory of my tail blade snapping forward. We Andalites have fought wars amongst ourselves in the past. We did not kill children. It is not possible to conceive of a greater evil than deliberate killing of a child. Yeah, well, we do know that, Axe, Marco said resentfully. Why do you think those guys down there on the beach are dying? Uh, and, uh, Rachel remarks that the tanks coming down the road are Nazi tanks and that they should stop them. Marco reminds her that they're after the time matrix, and she says, maybe you are. You and Axe go get the time matrix. I'm getting a Nazi. Um, and like... <laughs> I like this bit from Axe, except for where he com obliquely, and I know they didn't mean it this way, but like obliquely comparing his killing a Hessian officer on the battlefield to the Holocaust. Um, mm. and it's bad. It's very bad. Um, because, like, there isn't enough of a differentiation between them talking about the Holocaust to yeah. Axe talking about just war in general and mm. how humans will kill other humans even if they are not in involved in the war. Yeah. And then Axe thinking about all of the controllers he has killed in their own war where yeah you're killing the yurks but you're also killing the innocent host bodies mm. and like that that progression is i think an important thing that we want to see them take away from this yeah um but this particular way of putting it down on paper definitely makes it sound like he's comparing the one Hessian officer he killed to the Holocaust. And that's bad. Mm, bad writing. Editor should have caught it. Yeah. Um, 
That said, Rachel being like, all right, I'm going to go fucking kill a Nazi is Mm -hmm. chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, The fact that we also, um, unlike the shittiness in the chapter one, chapter two, like this, uh, like hearing this confirmation about uh, Rachel being Jewish mm -hmm. and the way she talks about um the holocaust and it's not expressly said but the limited understanding i have and this is why we've talked about we, we'd really like to have um a jewish listener come on and if they were willing to talk about some of this stuff with us that mm-hmm. she is so aware of that history in a way that it's clearly not an abstract for her mm-hmm. like if you're jewish you're jewish that's my understanding of it. And Rachel being this blonde, blue-eyed girl, but also acutely aware of her own Jewish heritage mm-hmm. in the middle of fucking World War II. Mm-hmm. I'd want to go punch Nazis too. Like, <laughs> But, and it's very, I like we get that observation from Axe about how Rachel deals with anger, how she'll get mm-hmm. loud about small things that piss her off, but when it's big, she gets quiet and cold with it. Mm-hmm. And how that helps frame why Rachel is talking about it the way she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nah. Uh, so we cut back to Cassie. Um, there's a bit of a melee going on. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tobias is bleeding and then suddenly he sits up without any bullet holes in his chest. Um, it's true, he whispered, touching his chest with a hork claw. Just Jake. The rest of us, we can't be killed. And Cassie takes four gunshots to the neck, head, shoulder, and head. I felt the impact, power, powerful blows. I felt sharp, overwhelming pain, and then I was still alive. An officer pulled his pistol, pistol from a holster, watched, walked cautiously up to me, held the barrel against my head, and blam, blam. I fell over. I stood up. Now. I don't like it. I, <laughs> I understand why it's here. I understand why they did this and they have like this whole deal with the between the Elemis and Krayak where Jake dies and only Jake dies. But also, this is really silly coming yeah, after what we just had from Axe. Yeah, yes. it feels too comedic in tone. It's too breezy with it. And I appreciate that maybe their regens are getting quicker. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a little bit too Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Is what it is. <laughs> um Yes, the fact that they think that maybe she's a werewolf is good. Mm-hmm. Like that. But it feels too light. And the one about Tobias, because it's clearly taken a moment for him to do this. Yeah. But like Cassie being like walking around like being shot is nothing. And then just immediately taking a headshot and sitting right back up. Yeah. I mean, 
if they wanted to have that very quick thing happen, there was still a way for them to write it without it feeling less silly, uh, to make it come across as less yeah. slapstick, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. Uh, this is like, where, though, oh, go on, please. No, go ahead. I was going to move on. So if you want to carry yeah, on, go ahead. Depending on that point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but in the reactions, we, uh, Cassie realizes that people are reacting in both French and German. And she notices the insignia on the epaulette of the officer is not um, the symbol of Nazi Germany. Instead, it's a shield that's uh, slashed in two. um, And it's partially uh, the French tricolor. And the other half is a stylized black eagle. And this Tobias has Tobias like a bit spun out because this isn't the way it went. The French and German forces didn't weren't fighting together. They were not the out they were not allied to each other. France was not part of the Axis. Um So yeah. But they're like, okay, we've got to wait for the captain to the, the French officers they're dealing with. Uh, they're confused and afraid. We get this insight from Cassie that I could identify. Um, but there's a real mix of ages in the gathered forces as well. Uh, and so everyone's just having a sit down, waiting for the captain to get there. And they're just mm-hmm. like letting Cassie and Tobias just like, well, we can't kill them. Let's wait <laughs> to hear what the captain says. Like that, like that. Mil- yes, war is a farce sometimes. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, but they're just like chilling there. Visifor's also like handcuffed there. Um, but that uh, goes like he's going to go re- try to get to the time matrix and Tobias clues the, uh, one of the soldiers in and they're just like, no, no, no. And, uh, Visifor's getting real pissy. He's just like, I just want to know one thing. How did you follow me? I have the time matrix. Uh, and how did you follow me? And why, why, why don't you die? And Tobias just like, yeah, Vista 3 has been trying to kill us for some time. We're hard to kill. <laughs> and then we just get a good old hint uh, once again how cutthroat the Yerk power structure is. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because obviously Vista 3 is directly above Vista 4. Presumably mm-hmm. that's how these work. And he's just like, I should have used the time matrix to destroy Vista 3, that bungling fool. Um, and Tobias is like, yeah, we could have helped you. Um, and then he's just like, oh, but Cassie, okay, so we don't, we can't be killed. We don't need to worry about these soldiers. We can just take the time matrix. And then I'm annoyed by this. As yeah, I guess that's true, but I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I guess we're sort of immortal for, immortal for now, but who knows? A gun is still a gun. Like you were just shot in the head and sat back up, girl. <laughs> Bad riding. Yeah. I do like Tobias's little thing. Like, he's 99% sure that they're immortal, but the remaining 1% says if we push it, we're toast. Like, yeah, the Elemist is that fucking petty. Like, if he rec- yeah. realizes that you're using your plot armor. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, we don't have infinite lives, actually. We have a finite supply. We cannot take the piss. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, the captain shows up. Uh, he knows about the prisoner. He seems to know about the orb. Um, but the hawk, Bajir, and the wolf are new. 
um so uh come and comes up and he's just like goes to touch one of Tobias' wrist blades wrist blades and Tobias is just like I won't hurt you um and then tries to speak to Tobias tries German then French then excellent English as it's described um we get the reference that he likes some a quick burst of German which wolf the word Frankenstein is heard mm-hmm. um and Cassie's helping like he thinks you're a monster Tobias and then in English I do not know how a monster and a talking wolf came to be here explain <laughs> and I like that I I, mm-hmm. I vibe with this officer who's just like okay this is fucking weird please explain this to me <laughs> um but then Cassie gets distracted um partway through a partial explanation because uh the driver of the captain's jeep uh gets down and comes over uh uniform indicates a low rank despite this man being in like his 50s um however this man has a very distinct hairstyle and mustache because of course apparently this book needed to have an appearance of alternate timeline Hitler. Yep. This is one uh, of the not so subtle, yeah. or one of the not good, not subtle bits of the book. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to get to that in a moment, though. Uh huh. But I'm just like, mm, mm, mm. But hey, Rachel is witnessing to Tobias and Cassie uh, chatting to these officers. Um, but considers uh, that to be problem number two, because problem number one is tanks rolling in. And she's aware enough to know that the morphs aren't going to do much against a tank. Uh, but notices that the tanks are open. Uh, they haven't reached the battle yet. Um, and she's aware that if they do, the invasion of Normandy is going to end in defeat for the invaders. Um, and is like, well, we've got to stop them. Um, and Marco is angry, just like how morph elephant and go one to one with a tank. You're going to end up roadkill. Alex points out that their morphing is a potent weapon, but it's not going to be do them any help here. Uh, Rachel's just like very flatly just like look we're stopping them the road is narrow it's cut deep we kill a tank and the others are going to have a hard time going around it at least we'll slow them down yeah then one of us gets to the ship's offshore and directs them where to fire great in theory just one problem how do a bunch of birds kill a tank um, I don't know I just know we have to and it's Axe who makes the observation about the uh about like the small handheld explosive devices, um, basically grenades. Mm-hmm. And I will say, we're going to have to deal with the uh, shitty thing that happens, like upsetting shitty, not bad writing shitty, but we are going to get the visual of a pair of birds working together to pull the pin on a grenade and drop it in a tank, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Uh-huh. That is, that is the shit that we read Animorphs for. It's not the only reason. But moments <laughs> like that is part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, they've got to get grenades. 
Um, down on the beach, they see um, there's still landing craft coming in. Um, ah, I just noticed the uh, reference to cattle again, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we're in uh, Rachel's perspective at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this insight from Rachel. Of course, cattle don't know what's coming. Humans do. They saw the bodies of their fellow soldiers. They heard the explosions. They smelled the death. And still they came. I'm going to read this next line because it makes sense that it's coming from Rachel. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't like it especially, despite my comments earlier. Yeah. Um, War is obscene. The worst things humans do. But warriors, the individual men, are the very best of humanity. Not because they are willing to kill, but because they are willing to risk death to sacrifice themselves for others. And then she gives, she feels like a coward because she's up in the air, not part of the fight. Mm-hmm. And it's just... Oh, yeah. Also, I don't believe that soldiers are the very best of humanity. I think there are way, much better ways... To be mm-hmm. an amazing human, but you know, yeah, that's that's me being a pacifist, <laughs> and you know, there's there's better ways. But I like, I do like hearing Rachel's take on it because it's sort of like, yeah. it's reinforcing her view on things that what she does has worth. Mm-hmm. I would have liked better if instead of mm. being instead of saying like they're the best of humanity, of saying how necessary they can be Mm. like their willingness to do a thing that other people maybe aren't mm -hmm. and like yeah focus on the willing to risk death and sacrifice themselves for others because like in some situations you you gotta yeah, um, I like that she has empathy for them. I don't like that it feels a little hero worshipy. Yes. The the term the the way that it's phrased. Yes. Yeah. I think if you had taken out the the thing of uh warriors are the very best of humanity. Yeah. Like if you had just taken that out. Um mm. and and either replaced it with um uh you know warriors do this gruesome but necessary task or something like that or if you just kind of left it out and reworked the other sentences a little bit i think it would work much better or even just talking about the bravery Mm -hmm. of what it takes when you're willing to sacrifice and going up against this sort of thing yeah But again, it, I suppose it's like the aggrandizing of Washington earlier. It's sort of just like, okay, we get it. Mm-hmm. Soldiers are heroes. Cool. Thanks. Like, I get enough of that propaganda all the time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. There's something icky to me about a children's book saying soldiers are the best of humanity. Is yeah. what is literally just occurring to me as I say it. Yeah. Especially in a book that's making clear just how horrifying um, war is. Mm -hmm. To then have Rachel, a character we empathize with, saying, 
Soldiers are great, actually. Like, imagine being an impressionable kid reading that and going, oh, maybe I should be a soldier then. Mm -hmm. Because that's the best of humanity and I want to be the best and I want to help people. Mm-hmm. I think that's an irresponsible thing to put in a book for children. Yeah. When that is clearly not your intent. Mm-hmm. Again, this feels like muddled messaging from the writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. So... They locate a grenade, um, and before they can grab it, there's another, like, explosion. Uh, yeah, more lands next to them. Yeah. And then we cut back to Cassie, who's like, <laughs> and Tobias is like, is that? And Cassie's like, yeah, I think so. Um, Adolf Hitler, the most evil man in a long history of evil man. Um, Tobias is like, jumps to his feet and moves with impressive speed and just fucking gets a blade to Hitler's throat. Uh, and then we get Cassie stopping Tobias. Uh, I and Tobias- that we have a no, we can't kill Hitler because that's not the bad Hitler. That's just an old man driver Hitler. Yeah. I hate uh, this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, Cassie's like, it's all different. Visterfor changed it. No one is where they should be. Uh, we don't even know if these guys are the bad guys or the good guys in this reality. And Tobias is like, he's still Hitler. Uh, and Cassie's like, is he? I don't know. Jake in that other reality, the reality that comes from all this, was that Jake still Jake? Was Marco still Marco? And Tobias is like, you can't compare Jake to literally Hitler. Um, And then we get this thing from Cassie. He's not evil for who he is. No one is. You can't be evil for being someone. It's what you do. And this guy's just a driver. You can't execute someone for what he might have done or even what he might do. Uh, and like, on the one hand, good sentiment. Like, yes, (laughs) evil is a thing you do, not a thing you are. Why did they have to do this around Hitler? come on it's like yes this does paint an interesting philosophical argument about nature versus nurture and is someone Mm -hmm. raised in an entirely different environment the same person and so on and so forth and like they they don't know anything about this man uh you know maybe this is actually really good artist hitler and he never went on to espouse really garbage fucking views um but also if you're in a time travel story and you come across hitler you kill hitler yeah like Like, i like i appreciate and it's very in the abstract very funny that we keep saying the bang hitler right now (laughs) um especially because like we live in an age where or like I remember it's less I think now, but like doing the stupidest, smallest thing on the internet that's bad would get you the comparisons mm-hmm. would be made. Mm-hmm. But also this is shitty. It's a shitty thing for them to have put in the me- work that argument in Cassie's mouth. Yeah. 
Like, don't you do this character enough disservice on the regular? And it's like, look, I get the argument Cassie's making. It's an argument I have used, especially with the characters that I play. Good is not a thing you are. Good is a thing you do. And the opposite being true with evil. But also, I just... Like, okay, headcanons be headcanoning, but also Tobias, who has a Jewish girlfriend who has hella queer vibes mm -hmm. and um, autistic vibes, mm -hmm. he would have been on a, a lot of lists, and he knows that. We also know Tobias is somebody that rages against injustice, which apparently is uh, quite a common autistic trait. Uh, which is cool um, and it, I think it's deeply unfair for the writers to have made that to make this happen yeah like it feels unnecessary in the same sort of way that making Cassie the slave owner in the alt reality felt unnecessary there are ways to make this point without using that person yeah Absolutely. It's, it's again, it's that shock value thing. Mm -hmm. It's too much to be able to handle well mm. in this book. Yes. I think do I think that there is a situation it. where they could do this some justice? Probably. But like, that's not this book. And if you're not going to be able to do justice to it, don't do it. Don't fucking put it in. Yeah. We are right. I'm sorry. We are here with Rachel and Tobias. We're like, I'm going to get a Nazi. I'm going to kill Hitler. Yes. Good. Battle couple goals. <laughs> We're here for it. I don't want navel gazing because it's like, oh, well, in this reality, he didn't do the thing. Also, I'm not trying to, in this moment, say, um, diminish any of the evil done, but also, he was a man. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the only person with that ideology. He is just the face people like to put to a truly uh -huh. heinous regime. He yeah. didn't do all of it. Yeah. And fascism uh, is not a one man job. Yeah. And I think that is a really important point. It's like Hitler is not some mythological monster. boogeyman. Yeah. It's, it's, it is harmful to the people that were hurt and killed and to continue imply, to be hurt and killed yes to imply that like to dehumanize hitler because it's humans who do this fucking shit and to say yeah. otherwise is to make is to is the kind of thing that makes people think that only overt racist acts are racist mm -hmm. like it's the same shit and you can't do that and so like on the one hand sure cassie this might not be like hitler at his most hitler but also like he could be the fucking same stain on the boot of humanity that he always is no this could still be somebody that espouses those kinds of beliefs just because he isn't the leader of the party. Mm -hmm. And like the one whose face is on all the propaganda. 
Yeah. Honestly, I believe that this Hitler would believe that more because he would mm. he would feel unjustly uh, mm. deprived of whatever power that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't have the power to enact it on a wider scale. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like, if you want to start unpicking, this is a Germany that wouldn't have invaded France because France would have been too big a thing because they never had the setbacks. Mm-hmm. This is clearly a France that still had its own revolution, but a France that didn't have to do all these wars where Napoleon won. This is a mm-hmm. very different France who then become a co-conspirator with the Germany who probably didn't get invaded by Germany in World War One, so Germany maybe didn't fall to the depre- the same sort of economic depression mm-hmm. it did. Like, we don't know enough about this world and the fuckery that's happened to the timeline. Play Chrononauts. It's mm-hmm. a really cool game where you explore shit like this. <laughs> I don't... Uh, we're, getting way, we're getting into the weeds. It's fun and good weeds. Yeah. But, like, I don't... We don't need this academic exercise on whether it's okay to kill a Hitler that wasn't the Hitler. I yeah. don't want this. It's the same thing. <laughs> like, well, if you, why don't you go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby? It's just like... How is that a helpful theoretical argument to have when there is very real evil happening in the world now? Can we just mm-hmm. deal with the shit we've got to deal with? Yep. Please. Yep. Uh, anyway, the cap, the German captain fires at Tobias and Tobias flinches and kills Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Which honestly I find just fucking hilarious. Yeah, there is like, something. It's bad, of- but also. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Animorphs killed Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is just I mean, absurd. It is. It is. And I don't like the, like, the Animorphs taking human lives shouldn't be feel like a trivial joke. Yeah. It shouldn't be a, oh, whoopsie doodle, now he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Uh-huh. It's bad yeah especially when we just had the scene we didn't unpack it because we got really deep into the discussion about it but of a mortal landing and killing a whole bunch of soldiers right next to like rachel marco and tobias who then wake up around surrounded by dead bodies and still just have to pick up a grenade and keep going mm-hmm. like yeah, it is it's it's tonal whiplash yeah and uh, it occurs to me that this uh, them dying and getting right back up um, is their normal superpower, but mm. like on steroids. Yeah, because like that's that is I I firmly, very strongly believe that their real superpower is not that they can turn into animals; it's that they can heal anything. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't kill them, it's just an inconvenience. And like, that's scary and also fucking terrifying to live through. Like, yeah. the, the, the sheer amount of trauma. This is also why I also like to espouse in my like D&D settings where magic is rampant. The, mm. the just amount of, fuck up of 
being able to essentially come back from the dead from fatal injuries mm-hmm. and then have to keep fighting. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. You, you were dead for a sec, but we really need you to get up and keep fighting now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I was, I was just listening to sagas the other day and, you know, one of the battles where Kasana goes down over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm just over here like, whoo, that hits, that it's some choice angst territory for me. Um, but yeah, it, it just occurs to me that this is, w- with you saying it that way, that this is the same, the same thing, just on mm-hmm. a much shorter time scale. Yeah. The- mm-hmm. Um, but hey. Now we get the cool thing about Rachel getting to drop a grenade into a tank as a bald eagle. Yep. Uh, she and Axe do just a fucking badass aerial maneuver mm-hmm. where Axe flies straight at her, grabs the pin, and pulls it while she holds the grenade. And flies in the other direction so they have enough momentum between them to pull the pin. Mm -hmm. Because my understanding, I've not done it myself, but it takes a lot of force to pull a pin out of a grenade. Yeah. Like it's rightly so. And (laughs) rightly so. You don't want to do that shit by accident. But yeah. Yeah. Um We do have this moment of yeah, they figure out the plan. And Marco's like, you don't know how long that fuse is. You could blow yourself up. And uh, Rachel is just a little bit like lost in the source mm-hmm. or is showboating so she doesn't have to think about things with Rachel is always that fine line mm-hmm. um, and is like we're immortal Jake was the death we can't be killed and Marco points out that's not a bullet it's a grenade if it blows there will not be enough of you to put back together but they they do the thing mm-hmm. and it works mm-hmm. um and, and yeah. And then she flies over to the tank. I was giddy, filled with wild joy. I wanted to scream and laugh all at once. Maybe I did because as if from far off, I heard Marco say, she's crazy, Axeman. Look at her. She loves this stuff. I looked toward my target. The hatch was open. The young cocky soldier was shoulders up and out of the armed safety. Armored safety. He was turning a swivel machine gun toward the side of the road, aiming at... Only then did I realize that Tobias had grabbed a German shoulder. Soldier. That he was holding him and... A sudden rush of movement. Visser 4, Cassie, and officer firing. Blood sprayed from the throat of Tobias's hostage. The tank man's... Fig... The tank man's finger. finger tightened on the trigger of the machine gun. I saw it all, every detail, every nuance of movement, as though it were inches, not feet away. The hatch, the trigger, I released the grenade. Uh, and then everything explodes. This is uh, only marginally hyperbole. Yeah. Um, we cut to Tobias's point of view, um, where... Uh, Rachel basically releases the grenade into the tank. There's a muffled explosion as the people in the tank die. And then the ammunition inside the tank catches fire. The tank is on active fire. uh, Flames shooting from the tank's gun barrel. uh, And then the tank explodes. The tank's 
turret blows off of the tank. It twists in the air and lands. It took a split second. Time enough for a wolf to react, to jerk back. Not time enough for a human or a yerk. The turret landed. It crushed Visser 4 from the waist down. The driver, the man who would, in another timeline, have been the most evil creature in human history, lay dead. Soldiers lay dead or wounded, slammed by the explosions. Rachel came circling down through the smoke. She landed on a dead tree branch. I expected her to be exultant. She wasn't. She said nothing. Marco and Axe landed seconds behind Rachel. We were almost alone, the five of us, alive, uninjured, surrounded by death and destruction of our own making. The wounded moaned. Cassie began to demorph. As soon as she had hands, she went to the wounded soldiers. One French, one German. You'll be okay, she told the French soldier. It's not bad. She ripped a few strips of the man's uniform, grabbed a stick, made a tourniquet. The other man, the German, died before she could even offer comfort. Uh, and Tobias demorphs. Um, and Rachel is, uh, Rachel notices that none of the, uh, Germans are wearing swastikas. Um, and Tobias is like, it's D-Day, but it's not. And she's like, but these are the bad guys, right? I mean, these are the bad guys, right? And Tobias is like, I don't know. Um, this is all fucked up. Um, uh, and Axe says, uh, it is we who have now altered history in ways we cannot comprehend. Um, uh, but they have control of the time matrix now. Um, and Visser 4 is still alive. Uh, the Yerk bails from his host. Uh, Tobias snatches him up. Um, and, uh, Marco holds out a hand. He took the Yerk. We can't let him get a new host. Can't take him back to our own time. He knows now that we're humans. We leave him here. He dies slowly of Candrona starvation. They say it's a horrible way to die, Cassie said. Marco held the yerk out to Axe. No, the Andalite said. I have enough to answer for. Axe looked at Rachel, then looked away. No, Rachel said, as Marco offered the yerk to her. Not me either, I said. I see, Marco said, nodding slightly. No one's anxious to add another stain on their conscience. Everyone's had enough? He flipped the yerk almost casually through the air threw it into the flaming hulk of the tank. Starve or burn, Marco said, trying in vain to sound tough and indifferent. His only choices. This is quicker. And they all kind of stand around, and they're like, what the fuck? Uh, they they're like, what do list- we do now? What it's do we do the- now? How do we fix this? Uh, and Cassie, of course, is the one who comes up with the idea. Yeah, my Axe turn points out they need to cut the chain of causality. Mm-hmm. Um, and is the one who says if we can stop this controller from finding the time matrix in the first instance. Yeah. But yeah, as uh, you say, Cassie steps up. My turn, I guess. Cassie said softly. I guess none of us will get through this without some terrible sin. 
This will be mine. What are you going to do? I asked her. Uh, and she walks over to the formal control, former controller, now just a human being. What's your name? I, someone told us, but I've forgotten it. Who are you? Um, and we cut to Cassie's perspective. Um, but before we do, I do want to, this small interaction with the Yerk and essentially disposing of the Yerk. Mm -hmm. And just like Marco offering that decision to everybody. And even Rachel, the one who does this for the team, mm -hmm. can't take it on. Yeah. And so Marco does. Um, I wish, like... That line of no one's anxious to add another stain on their conscience, everyone's had enough, asking it as a question. There's so many different ways that could come across. Mm -hmm. But what I like, the way I like to read this is it's compassionate. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, no one's ready to do this. And it's also like, because we know how hard this has been hitting Marco. Mm-hmm. And just to have him go, okay, cool, we're not going to continue doing this, great. That's how it feels to me. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so we're done fucking around. Well, there's, he's not being that flippant, though he's trying to act the part of it, which my heart aches for him. And mm -hmm. I like that uh, Tobias notices that um or Tobias comments that Marco's clearly trying to do this act and it's failing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, there is something about Marco not asking the someone else to do this. Mm -hmm. But like who has the emotional spoons basically to do it? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that awareness of everyone. It's like, okay, who can do this? Okay, none of you are up to it. Okay, I'll do it then. Because he doesn't want yeah. to do it. No. But he will if no one else is able to. Yeah. And I die, dear listeners. <laughs> I'm sad about Marco. Yeah, I put in my notes, don't think about Benny LaFontaine. Yeah, I was so mad at you. I saw that and I was like, fuck off, Danielle. I'm always thinking about Benny LaFontaine. I'm always sad about it. Mm -hmm. It's very, mm -hmm. it's incredibly good and it just underscores that tragedy. Yeah. And I like Cassie seeing it and it's like, okay, so this is, that's your shitty thing you had to do, though. You've killed Yerks before, gang. Mm -hmm. There's just something about it, the deliberateness of it being in that moment. Yeah. Um, I will once again object to the use of the word sin. I don't care for it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's maybe just underscoring that Cassie has <coughs> some sort of religious aspect to her background because it's only yeah. ever Cassie that talks about it as sin. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it. Yeah. I appreciate uh, her understanding that what she's about to do is a shitty thing. Mm -hmm. I just don't like that terminology for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it feels weird. Yeah. Uh, to, to have in there. Um, and to also label everyone else's sin. Like. Mm. Yeah, I don't like the moral judgment that comes across with that of not just her own actions, but other people's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we cut to Cassie's perspective and she's talking to this freed host uh, whose name is John Berryman. Um, we are reminded. Uh, and she tells him that the Yerk is dead. He won't bother him again. Uh, and John is like, you're humans. Um, they, the Yerks don't know. Uh, and you're just kids. Uh, and he says, you kids, you're heroes. The Yerks, they hate you so bad. Um, don't know how you did it following him through time. He was trying to change the world. Bitter. Very bitter. Change time, make humans weaker, easier to conquer, then replace Visser 3. Uh, and we get confirmation that, uh, of what the kids were theorizing earlier about how it was too complicated for him and he felt rushed by the kids' presence. Um, and then we get the explanation of why Agincourt. John Berriman <laughs> laughed. That was for me. It was to shut me up. I never gave up, see? I fought him. All night, I'd keep it up. Keep it up in his head. Keep what up? Marco asked. Shakespeare. I played Exeter in the play, but I memorized all the lines. I shook my head. I don't get it. Henry V. I know it by heart. Shakespeare wrote a play about Henry at Agincourt. Visser IV couldn't figure out how or when to intercept Shakespeare. Not enough definite data. So he was going to kill Henry to silence Shakespeare, to silence me. <laughs> That's insane. Berriman nodded weakly. Insane. That's what he used to feel. That I was driving him insane. Wouldn't give up. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he ne'er. Oh God, I'm not going to be free. I'm dying. Oh God. He looked up at me exhausted. Beyond anything but pain. What is it? Ask me your question. I wiped tears from my eyes. John, I'm so sorry, but John, do you know, did your parents ever tell you how did they meet, when and where? I saw puzzlement, confusion, shock, and finally sad acceptance. San Francisco, 1967. My dad's name was John, too. My mom is Teresa. She was Teresa Knowlton. I could feel my friends draw back from me. Cassie, the killer with a conscience, the drode had sneered. Kill him and then cry over them. I wasn't going to kill John Berryman. John Berryman would never exist. It's a baller move. I understand yeah. why Cassie is cut, and cut up about it. Please do not equate what she's doing as murder. Hmm. I feel like it's given the weight as if they killed somebody. And I appreciate that there is weird emotional and moral complications with if somebody never existed, is that the same as killing them? I don't think it is, to be clear. You can't 
end the life if the life never began. <sighs> I'm mad about it. <laughs> this feels like one of those things they're making. Maybe this says more about me as a person. I'm willing to admit this could be my own weird morality coming into mm -hmm. play. But like, I like that the choice has weight and that mm -hmm. the implications aren't lost here. But in the same way that I find it weird that they get so hit up on, it's it's wrong to acquire the DNA of a person. Mm -hmm. To think of this as a very peaceful way that's going to cause very little ripples aside from, in theory, the thing they're trying to course correct. That's incredibly kind. Like, that doesn't cause a suffering. And also, like, John Berman also understands. He realizes what's happening and doesn't say, no, please don't do that. He's mm. already dying. He knows he's going to die. And it's like, I don't know. And I feel like it's being made to be more of a thing than it has to be. But maybe mm. this is why I am not being picked to go travel in a time machine. Because <laughs> I have whip. Look, I'm just saying, I need to play the doctor, okay? I would be incredible. The BBC are cowards. It's true. In many ways, but specifically, they need to cast me as a Time Lord. <laughs> and they can cast Richard also as a Time Lord. We discussed this. Uh huh. Yes, good. He'll be great. But anyway, um, we switch to Axe. He's going to operate the Time Matrix. Um, but Axe makes sure to morph human before they go. Smart <laughs> move. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are in bright sunshine in the middle of a crowded street and they deal with meeting a pair of hippies because, of course, we're at fucking Woodstock. <laughs> or we're just outside Woodstock is the vibe I'm getting here. Yeah. I'm going to now, I'm now questioning my choices. So I'm going to quickly double back and look. I know it's around that time. Nope, I'm wrong. It's not Woodstock. But it's just good hippie times. Mm -hmm. Woodstock was in uh, New York State, which I didn't know. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of mud. Anyway. Um, but I appreciate the landing next to a pair of hippies and then proceeding to have an existential conversation around people that are probably <laughs> high. And given the way their dialogue is written, it seems likely. It's just sort of like, whoa, reality, what is real? It's very cliched, but it's all, and again, we run into that tone of whiplash, but also it is kind of amusing. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, so yeah, these two hippies are happy and chill and just like, oh, is that real? What is real? And they're just nodding. And just like having a chill time. And Marco's just like, amazing. The US is gone. The Nazi party's happened, but there are still hippies. <laughs> and Axe is just baffled by what are hippies. Um, but uh, Cassie theorizes that maybe in the same way that their timelines were buffered, maybe it did the same for John as well. So he couldn't, mm. so he didn't inadvertently fuck up his host's timeline. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like Michael, like, oh, maybe hippies just had to happen. Otherwise, how would we have bell bottoms? <laughs> I like the notion that bell bottoms are just an indisputable fact of time that they must happen. Um, I mean, technically, bell bottoms started with sailors, but you know, it's fine. Um, but yeah, they spot the store um, that uh, they were told the parents would meet at. Just like, okay, so we just need to stop it happening. It's great. Time isn't yep. altered. We never travel back in time. Jake doesn't die. And they just talk about uh, the list of people that they directly killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Tobias who's like, how can we do this? And Mark's like, what do you mean? Uh, meanwhile, the uh, another hippie has shown up and is really enjoying the shimmeriness of the time <laughs> matrix. Um, yeah, right, the colors. Whoa, cool. Go away. We're trying to figure out the space-time continuum. <laughs> Um, and Tobias is like, okay, we, maybe we fix this. Maybe we make it worse. We have to go back to a reality where we know for a fact the Holocaust happened. And Cassie's like, well, you saw how it was. We still had slavery. We had no freedom. Um, and like, and she was like, the droid said homeless people were rounded up and shot. We can't let that happen. Effectively, what was being described was also like eugenics and like cleansing, mm-hmm. active, like population cleansing happening was not that dissimilar. It just wasn't working along the same lines. Yeah. But it was still undesirables in the view of the leading power being removed from society. Yeah. But this is where the kids get into this argument. And they're de- oh, it's a debate. We can't let this happen. How can we reset the timeline to what ours? Um, this, that we saw what the timeline looked like with just with what Visa 4 did. But maybe they don't know what their intervention has done. Maybe mm-hmm. they've done enough at this point. Maybe, uh, them saving Henry. Um, t- the things that they did and you can feel this desperation here not only just to let the bad things happen that they know to not let the bad things happen that they know are true in their timeline but also for the things they've done to have mattered because hmm. you know Rachel is sitting there go because we saw it happening she was in shock from like what if I didn't kill bad people And that's, and she's just like, this is all pouring out of her. And she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, this female hippie's just like, this is heavy. <laughs> and Tobias suggests, well, why don't we go have a look, see what happened? And I assume that this is accent. Does that not seem foolish now we've seen how complex the history is? Oh, yeah. no, wait. Oh, no, he is in human morph right now. I was going to mm-hmm. say, oh, it's not in thought speak, but he's human right now. Um, and Marco's one point out, hey, history is never played out. We start messing with the past, we mess with the future. Maybe we like the way things look to us back in our own time, but maybe we've screwed something else up down the line. Which one's like, every, we do that every day. Every time we do anything or do nothing, we change the future. Why is this different? What, look, let's just go. Maybe in our own timeline is great now. I mean, maybe, right? And then a voice asks, why are we here? And it's Jake. 
And he's angry. <laughs> Why don't you recognize me? Because they are back in the barn. Jake is alive and a bit weirded out by the way everyone is looking at him. Tobias is like, okay, so what happened? And figures out, oh, the lady they were speaking to um, was Teresa, uh, was Berryman's mother. And because she was distracted by them and their conversations and their big shiny orb, um, didn't make the meeting. Uh, and Jake, meanwhile, is like, what's going on? Why am I crossing the Delaware next to George Washington one minute and then I'm back here while you guys talk about hippies? Um, but that's it. Berryman has never existed. The time matrix was where he found it. The kids have never gone back in history except in their memories. Henry V had not seen a hawk Bashir take to the field. Washington had crossed the Delaware and surprised the Hessian troops. Nelson and the British had defeated Napoleon's fleet. Einstein had left Nazi Germany to find freedom from oppression at Princeton University, where he had set in motion the creation of the atomic bomb. And on June 6th, 1944, soldiers of the United States, Britain and France had begun the final destruction of the evil man, who in another reality had been nothing but a harmless old soldier. You died, Jake, I said. You died crossing the Delaware with Washington. I could see the spasm of shock on Jake's face. Oh my God, he whispered. Did, I mean, in the end, did we do it? Did we put it all back right? Did we make it right? I went to him and gave him a kiss on the cheek. No, we didn't make it right. But we put it back, Jake. Leave it at that. We put it all back. And that's it. And that's it. It's, uh... I like that in the end it wasn't really their decision. It's the decision to go back at all is what sealed it and so their debates at the end similar to how marco was just running out the time at the beginning it does the same there and they do run out of time to mm. debate and it makes a difference yeah. um they yeah, talked out the clock Uh, this is a complicated, messy book. Mm-hmm. But it was a real good read. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have talked at length. We started early as well. So we we're did. like, this. we have talked for coming up on four and a half hours. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're very good at talking about animals. <laughs> <laughs> we did read a good portion of the book and it is a yeah, longer book chunks. it is but, a longer book yes also. there's a lot to <laughs> chew on in this book yeah indeed um we don't have any questions and we're maybe going to be doing um a pickup with a guest right mm. maybe uh maybe. so there's, there's we a originally 
yeah, we originally were going to have the salty professor back on. Um, but she was unable to make it today. So I'm going to be reaching out to her to see if we can't do a similar thing like what we did with 29, um, or the Hork-Bajir Chronicles, where we had kind of a book discussion and then after that had a coda of sorts in order to mm-hmm. just discuss it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I feel like we've been saying this a lot lately, but it's remains true as ever. Um, I very much would like to hear your thoughts. Um, particularly Yikes. if you, um, are black or a person of color and can speak to, uh, some of the stuff we talked about specifically regarding Cassie, um, or, you know, your thoughts in general. Uh, we always want to hear folks' thoughts. Absolutely want to hear people's thoughts. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. That's the book. That's the book. <laughs> uh, they remember everything. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah. Um, Nothing quite uh, like having a front row seat to watching the back of your best friend's head explode. Uh-huh. You know. To just stay with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just fun things. Just uh, animal things. Just animal things. <laughs> Uh, shall we do rankings? Let us do the rankings that we do. All right, plot. Okay, I am actually inclined to give the plot a 10. Yeah. Because I feel like the missteps were not with the plot, but rather with execution of certain ideas. Mm-hmm. There were, there were no, like, it was all, like, small ideas that maybe they shouldn't have done without the space to unpack. But the over, the, the story as a whole, truly excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Characterization, I think, also super on point. Yeah. There were no moments with anyone that made me go, mm, ex- uh, aside from the ones that were deliberate, but again, that was a writer's choice. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were done well, I thought were excellent. And mm-hmm. the point of making me feel uncomfortable was clearly intentional and done well, mm-hmm. even if I didn't like it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> unfortunately it does i think lose some points in enjoyability yes as a result it's just because it is you have to go into it knowing prepared for that yeah knowing kind of what you're going into and prepared for the the particularly the grossness of the beginning and mm-hmm. the knowledge that like it's not as necess- it's not handled really well and there are some other things that aren't necessarily handled well um Mm. but overall it's a good story and does some interesting things with the characters yeah um agreed but yeah like you said earlier it's i recommend the book with a lot of caveats Mm -hmm. oh no it's okay my water bottle's closed Um, okay good but yeah i recommend the book with a lot of caveats um so favorite part uh 
the vigil of a hawk bajir on a war horse will continue to stay. It's very good. And unlike some of the other visuals that were badass, there are no caveats to that one. We just got <laughs> to have a very cool moment of a hawk bajir riding a horse. <laughs> um, I think the scene with Jake's death is extremely moving um and well portrayed um it it feels chaotic and nonsensical to read in the way that battle is chaotic Mm. and nonsensical um and i will give that credit to all of the battle sequences like yes the victory blowing up around them Mm -hmm. and the chase into the rigging incredible the arrows at Agincourt, like all of the action in this book is so well written. Yeah. And like you feel the panic and the chaos, but it isn't hard to follow. Like yeah. it's not, yeah, it's incredibly well executed chaos. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Exactly. Um, did anything surprise you? Some of the choices made. <laughs> By the writers? Um, <laughs> I just, why drive an old man Hitler? I just, I didn't want it. I didn't need it. <clears throat> Bad. Um, yeah. I will say, I'm not necessarily, because I was also warned for major character death, but mm-hmm. the fact that Jake is killed off so early, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking, in the story, and the time and the weight, the time it's taken and the way it impacts the story, I was not expecting them to go so hard with mm-hmm. it. I think it's good they yes. did. I just, oh, wow, this is... So often we talk about like the plot armor and how things are rectified and while the kids tra- are traumatized as a result, it's very much like, oh, well, it's fixed now. Don't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Like we were just talking at the back of 29 with that. So, oh, it's fixed now. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Apologies for bumping my mic. Um, so, yeah, seeing that they not only stuck the landing, but it was felt you can feel how that's going to ripple out through for the rest of the kids going forward mm-hmm. in a way that feels very satisfying from a narrative point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anything catch you by surprise on the reread? I totally forgot that they killed Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Jen about it, and I was like, oh my god, I forgot that they killed Hitler. <laughs> I what can't believe sentence. I forgot. <laughs> How could you forget? <sighs> uh, which is part of why I find it funny. Um Yeah. It's funny in an, ab- an absurd way, I think I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, absurdist is a good way to think about it. Yeah. I'll frame that. Um, but it's... Uh, other than that, not really. Um, I was yeah. surprised at how short the beginning was. I think I said that earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Because in my head, it had grown to this like huge morass of just grossness that I would have to slog through. And in the end, it's one chapter, like two pages of a PDF, and that's it. Mm. Um, which, like, there's still a lot of grossness packed in there. Mm-hmm. But it's not nearly as bad as I remembered, which was a pleasant surprise. 
Nice. Yeah. Uh, was there any part that didn't make sense to you or that you didn't understand? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as much as time travel weirdness, but like that was yeah. in the good. Okay, but what happened and why is this the case? And did that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing, mm-hmm. Not, nothing in the negative sense. Yeah. Uh, and do you think it's essential Animorphs reading? I think it depends how you view the term essential. Mm-hmm. Is it essential for the overarching narrative or even necessarily personal growth? I'd argue no. Mm hmm. But I think you would be missing out if you didn't read this. Yeah. Because I think it's going to, I'll be really interested looking at the characterization of certain characters going forward. And I think I'd maybe be able to give a clearer response on how essential this is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those ones where I'd say you wouldn't necessarily need to read it if you were just doing the powering through the series. But I would mm-hmm. say go back and read it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's. So one of the the tragedies of the Megamorphs um, is that while at this point we're well into the ghost-written books, the Megamorphs were written by uh, Catherine and Michael. Um, And so, like, that is part of why the characterization and the action Mm -hmm. scenes are just so fucking on point. Mm -hmm. Um, It's because they were the ones who took care of writing this. Yeah. And when we go back to the ghostwriters, they're not necessarily going to be taking a lot of this stuff forward. Mm. Um, but I think we do see a lot of kind of the people that these kids have become mm. and hints of where they're going. And we also get a little bit of details from the, like, the cosmic plot. Um, hmm. of Krayak's little war with Jake. Um, and, you know, Cassie and Marco willing to do basically anything to save Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think, like you said, I don't think it's necessarily essential. I think you are missing out if you do skip it on some really good character work. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely not essential to the overarching plot at all. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. All right. My co-host has been the incredible and inimitable Danielle. You can find them online at Redtailedhawk90. And you should check out their home podcast, The Room Where It Happened. That's at RoomwarePod on Twitter and The Room Where It Happened on your podcatchers of choice. They are gearing up for their season three and there is some powerful vibes going on in the (laughs) season lead up. Uh, Feels like it's going to be very contemporary, very spooky, very weird. Check it out. It's got a good Gravity Falls vibe, but for adults... I think feels fair at this point, but who fucking knows? It's all weird and esoteric as shit right now, and it's great. You should check it out Uh and come talk with us in the server about it and try to figure out what the fuck is going on. It's great. (laughs) Uh, And my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at, uh, ooh, I almost said mine, at Jade Oxford Rose. I noticed that. You can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose, uh, and you can find them on their home podcast, Follow the Leader. 
um, which is gearing up for its season six, which is going to be dope as fuck. I am a guest in their secret backstage discord. And so I have insider knowledge that it's going to be fucking awesome. Um, so definitely go check that out. If you like smart character work, um, and just some really intense emotion, uh, emotion driven storytelling. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right. Let's do a clap. Clap. Uh, Thirty. Okay.